Across the Streams podcast, Dishing on the Drive segment, Kip Ione here. I've got three returners to the segment. David, I probably should have made it a listen up. I don't know why I made it Dishing on the Drive. We should have made this one of your segment, and these two guys are your guests, technically. But business during the pandemic, uh, three returning guests to the pod. We're excited to talk about, well, excited is probably a stupid word. We want to evaluate and digest and reflect on what this damn pandemic has done uh, to businesses and, and just industry across the country. So I've got guys that are obviously friends of mine, but also coming from all different angles on this. I'm a basketball coach, so I guess you quote unquote call it a business. It's not. It's not. It's a sport. So I had to bring some guys in here that actually live the day to day. So we'll start with Jeffrey. Uh, just give us name, job, title, refresh everybody's memory and a, and a quick summary of what it is you do. Besides, join me late at night, East East Coast time, for a podcast. Yeah, every few every few months, right? That is part of it, but yeah, Jeff Jensen uh, went to school with you and David and Mike uh, at Skyview. I'm in Washington D.C. now, working for a small economic consulting firm here in D.C. So we, you know, we are basically economists, public policy analysts. We work with companies and industry associations to help them figure out what's happening in the economy and. What's coming next? Jeff, don't sell yourself short. You're not small. Don't call small firm. You say best firm. We're, we're, we're like 25 now. So we're, <laughs> that, we're bigger right? than we were. When See? I joined, we were eight, I think. Oh, so, yeah, See? That's awesome. See, when I go into homes, Jeffrey, I don't say, you know, we're a small college basketball team. I say we're this awesome outfit out in Oregon and then see if they associate outfit. ducks, right? <laughs> we're in 25, yep. Right. Yep. Schwab. That's your Montana coming out when you say it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Schwab. Mike Schwab, I, uh, I'm a group of contractor. I work at an ad agency in Minneapolis. So as Jeff said, all friends with everybody here on the call from high school and uh, work with a number of different clients across the board from uh, tourism, agriculture, energy, uh, you name it really uh, across the gamut. So see lots of different businesses, healthcare, so on and so forth. Thank you, sir. Mr. Gunn. Uh, David Gunn. Uh, I am out of the Atlanta, Georgia area, a uh, small business owner, own Orange Theory Fitness, and also uh, am a Amazon DSP owner uh, more recently to the title now. See, I, I, th- I was wondering if I should introduce you now as Top Gun Logistics, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Top Gun Logistics, Top Gun Fitness, soon... Uh, Get into some Top Gun realty. So he's a mogul. Um, so. That's what he is now. Shit. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Oh, man. So, fellas, thanks again for coming. And I, and I thought it'd be good to get your guys' kind of all the sl- all the different areas and, and things that you interact with, with the economy and business throughout uh, the pandemic. So I sent us some prompts. Um, let's go here. David, you can go first. Just go one aspect of your day-to-day, you know, whether it's through owning your own Orange Theory studio, fitness studio, whether it's through the Amazon adventure. What is something heavily changed by the pandemic that people probably would not be surprised by? That people are like, oh, I, you know, that makes sense that that was a problem during it. Yeah, I, I, you know, if I go to my Orange Theory, right, from a fitness aspect, which, you know, obviously business has been, severely hurt right you know our membership numbers have significantly decreased you know obviously revenue was down i think that's something no one is surprised about right and most businesses across uh the country and the world have been severely affected negatively um by the pandemic and you know the fitness industry is one of the harder hit ones yeah um you know so that that is nothing new um that anybody would be shocked by. Thank you. Schwab, same question. It could be from the marketing industry in general. It could be from specific clients. What it, what, it, what has been a, a normal, like, man, yep, this hit us too? I think just a normal operating, like the way we operate. Like, obviously, we're all, it's not surprising anyone. We're all from home. Nobody's going in. Nobody's traveling. Uh, production was pretty limited there for a while. So a lot of the typical problems you see across the board with the corporate white collar industry, business industry, um, same, same impact on us as well. Gotcha. Jeffrey, either your firm or as, as is your job, taking a look in general, 
Um, and I think Kane and I had you on like maybe right in the very beginning. And it's amazing. I want to give you full credit, give you your flowers while you're here. You were damn near spot on on all your predictions back then. So stuff that you either predicted knew was going to happen or maybe you didn't get a mention last time that you've seen. Um, yeah, I don't know if I got everything right, but we, we got some things right. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, I'm not feel, I don't feel great about that because obviously it was pretty dire. Um, I would say, I mean, just like what Mike was saying about like remote work, you know, that's, I've been in the office, I think four times since mid-March. And I remember the day everything changed was the day that Rudy Gobert caught mm-hmm. COVID and they canceled that game. And it was the same day that Tom Hanks got it. And it was the same day that Trump gave his like, sort of like, I don't know what it wasn't really a speech. It was like he was at the resolute desk and he was just like depressed <laughs> and you could see like how bad it was going to be. And I think he'd been spending the last few weeks before that sort of downplaying it. Yeah. And at that point, like everything sort of changed. And I think that was a Wednesday. And I remember it was like the next day I went into work. I'm like, I'm probably not going to be here for a while. And indeed that was the case. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say just internally was we we've had a lot more siloing, I think within our company, we have a small firm and I don't know if this would be, you know, more, more of an issue at larger firms, even than, than us. But, you know, we kind of have three practice areas within our company and, you know, the casual conversations and little acquaintances that you make, you know, in the office, getting coffee or whatever, like you just don't get to do that now Mm -hmm. on Zoom. You know, if I don't have a reason to meet with someone then I'm not going to set it up. And so I just sort of, you end up being very siloed as a firm. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a positive thing, but I also don't think it's particularly surprising. Yeah. And drawing off that for anybody that wants to take this first, I think one of the things that probably universally has affected folks and maybe speak to whether you um, personally or employees or colleagues of yours, is it really that the lack of in-person ability to do the job? Whether, David, it's your, you know, your studio workers. I know you've got a little different experience with your drivers still being out there. Uh, but is it really that human component that kind of is universally across everyone? You know, I, I just now got to see my team again on the floor for the first time since November uh, this past week. So is that is that kind of a universal everyone's seeing? You know, I, I, I think about that piece and just from a personal aspect to me, I... <laughs> I don't like interacting with that many people anyway. So <laughs> to me, it hasn't really, you know, affected me that much. Um, you know, I think it's different down south, and you're gonna find that like we're every we're wide open, man. It, mm. it, things have probably since started to kind of almost get back to normal, like back in mid May, mm. you know, late May. I mean, I wouldn't call it normal, but I mean, it's you. you You'd be hard pressed to tell there was a pandemic going on. So that Buccaneers celebration's the norm. It's not the exception. Well, you know, you look at Florida; they never. Yeah. I don't think they never really started to really go in pandemic mode. You know, Georgia went there for a little bit, but we couldn't hung, hang on more than a couple of months. Gotcha. But, you know, as far as like that that human interaction piece, you know, you, you, it's just different, right? There's no in-person interviews like right now, like. You know, I, I hire people and with never meeting them before in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. just hiring them basically point. off of phone calls. You know, there's different technology that you're 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 utilizing and testing out. Like we use a thing called Spark Hire. It's the one way interview, right? So, uh, you know, so they record in the interview and uh, it's pre-recorded and I just get to watch those at my leisure and decide if I want to hire them. Oh, wow. Spark, like a S-P-A-R-K or S-P-A-R-Q or is that the, that's like the Nike training thing. Yeah, S-P-A-R-K, Spark Hire. Interesting. You know, and there's a lot of different one-way interviews like that, but, you know, that's a piece that's kind of just changed, right? Yeah. You know, I think some of that stuff is is obviously going to be here to stay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me, from a convenience and time factor, it's it's light years, right? It saves you a ton of time, but you know, then you're always, am I getting the best quality candidate that I can't right. necessarily sit down, look this person in the eye, right, and and all that? But yeah, Schwab, for in the marketing side, like even from your company, when I got to tour your facilities and stuff, like if I felt like it was laid out for that human piece, right? So everybody could yeah. feel like we're coming to work. It's awesome. We want to be here. So how has that played out for you guys? Is it negative, positive? How does it look? I mean, I would say in a pretty shocking, surprising manner, you would think 
because we're a creative shop, right? So we thrive on ideas and collaboration and so on and so forth. But uh, to build off of what David said, we're, we're 10 times more efficient now. Mm. I mean, we're doing the same type of stuff. We're figuring out how to do, you know, do things digitally, uh, digital whiteboards, you know, how, how we go about that. We're, we were in a pretty good position where we actually divided our, our shop. We were about 200 people and we had divided it into four teams uh, literally a couple months prior to the pandemic. So we, we did the, like basically create four agencies within an agency. So we had been meeting every morning, kind of get into that whole routine. And so when we, uh, we all went home, like we just, we just kept cruising and, and I'll add, I think the most interesting thing, like you, you think, well, you know, I don't see people, we lose that social aspect, but there's something really interesting in the sense that a lot of people have almost gotten closer. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I mean, we've had people start at the agency who I've never met in person, mm-hmm. only met with them digitally, but there's an element when you're, when, there's a element of, I don't know, intimacy. When you see into someone's home, <laughs> you see their kids, you see their pets. Yeah. And like you somehow get a better glimpse of their life. Oh, interesting. Do, yeah. Cause when you're at work, everybody has their, their work face on. Right. So right. You're clean shave, you're dressed up, you know, and then uh, you see the home life and it's kind of interesting. And uh, somehow everybody is like connected over that mm. with kids running across the screen, pets barking. Yeah. Um, I, I never in a million years would have guessed that would have happened. Is that is that um, specific to your, like the Collie McVoy people? Is that also across to your clients? Similar? Yeah, what's interesting is, uh, you know, our local clients, it's been a little bit more difficult because we don't have the lunch meetings and so on and so forth, hallway chatter. Yeah. But our long distance clients uh we've gotten way closer uh in a relationship with those folks and and know each other much better now Mm. just because it used to be phone calls and now it's always uh video and zoom and interesting into each other's lives it's it's been really fascinating interesting jeff thoughts on that or any your own observations on that human component yeah I, i what mike just said i think is spot on about like the relationships that it, for us, like it's both, I'll focus on the client stuff, I guess, but like there are clients where I rarely, if ever saw them, you know, most of our clients are DC and I see them in meetings and stuff, but a lot of, you know, we have some in Chicago that I just don't see very often. And I see them more now than I used to because of video calls. And I think, you know, it's not like video call is a new technology. We've had that for, you know, a long time, Yeah, but we never used it. Um, because it was just sort of awkward and, you know, it's like you know, cameras on and like, you can just do it on the, on the phone. But now I think that's one thing that, uh, if you want to talk about changes that I think will last, I, yeah. I think that change will last. I think people will, uh, continue to rely on video calls, not for every meeting, of course, but I think that we've been surprised at how productive you can be on video calls and it's not perfect. And there are times when an in-person meeting is a lot more effective, but, um, I definitely agree that, you know, it's been surprising how the you would think the lack of personal kind of you know exposure and touch and just like being able to kind of see people would um, compromise the relationships, but it's actually been the opposite. Mm. And some of it is that, that you can see into somebody's you know kind of past the work veneer or whatever. But um, I think some of it is that we're kind of all in kind of there's this feeling of like we're all kind of in this together and we all kind of understand that. You know this kind of sucks and the fact that my eight-year-old is upstairs and you can hear him playing with legos like well your cat is like walking around that like it's just understood and it builds this kind of you know bit of camaraderie i guess it um has and i don't necessarily see that in a society overall mm-hmm. um where i don't think you know that's been one of the things i've been um unpleasantly surprised about is how that hasn't happened as much particularly in the political side of things but um but in terms of the people that you work with and, and work for, I think it has, at least in our, in our business. The, let me, okay. Am I, maybe I'm just a dick. Okay. And I appreciate you guys talking about these positives. Like if, if somebody's on a zoom with me, like on a, like it's recruiting or it's with my other, you know, my own teams of men business. I don't know why I have this expectation of no distractions on the zoom. Um, I try to hold myself to that. Like, no, I'm gonna lock the door so the kids can't like, so am I, is that just a grumpy Kip thing? David, do you have this? I'm leaning on you as a fellow guy that has very little tolerance for humans and maybe Jeff and Schwab are just better people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, 
that that's tough. Um, yeah, it bothers the shit out of me. Like I ain't gonna lie. Like yeah, because I just. But you know, to a point, it's unavoidable. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's gonna happen. I mean, that stuff is just it's naturally gonna happen. And I think it's just it depends on what you're doing too. Um, you know, most of the time, what what I deal in is so informal, mm. right? When we're talking about the fitness industry or the logistics industry, it's so informal. So there's no suit and tie. There's no stuffiness. So um, that's not really a big deal. Like even when I'm conducting interviews, like, I mean, it, it, people are doing the interviews at truck stops. I mean, it's just, it's so you're going to see in, in here at all. Right. Yeah. I think it's probably different, obviously, you know, from Jeff, Mike's side, you guys can speak to it, obviously, but when you're talking with clients and this and that, I don't know. And I think it also just depends on your, your company culture, right? Yeah. And kind of, you know, are you a, a buttoned up company that is kind of stuffy? Mm. If you are, yeah, I, I think your clients may be expecting and holding you to that just as much as you'd hold them to. Uh, no distractions and whatnot. But. I mean, I had a I had a team meeting. I think it was November. One of my guys, I was de- debate debriefing with my staff afterwards. Who should I actually be mad at? The player that zoomed in from the ski slopes, like on the slopes, guys, or the guy no, that never so, turned his camera on. No, you need to change your style, dude. I'm telling you, this is a new. This is work life is all one thing. It's all one and the same now. Okay, keep I'm going. More calls from the golf course from the ski hill, from a cabin. Like I, I was reading something the other day. I don't know what it was like in fast company or something. They yeah. talked about the evolution of management. Okay. And they're like old school management is you were the first one in, or you started at every, you know, you did every job in the company. Yeah. You know how to do everything. And you were the first one in and you were the last one out. And it was, I'm boss man. And I whoop ass. And they talked about the evolution of it. Well, now on the flip side of it, on the other end of the spectrum, the great managers, they say, are the ones that showcase how you balance your work and your life mm. because you can't escape it. Like you can't, I get calls all the time. I get calls at night. I'm on Zoom calls. You're in the morning. You're picking up kids. Do you think like, the Zoom video is just showing me where people were already? They were already in the car and they just on a phone call. You couldn't see that. I think, uh, I think just. A, like being open to that as a manager and saying we're all doing it mm-hmm. your job is to figure out how to balance it yeah like you put it physically well, it always have to be in zoom like let's be real yeah. like is zoom fucking necessary like just pick up this call like yeah i'm on a conference call man like why yeah. does it gotta be a zoom i'm still i prefer not to be zoom because i don't want people to necessarily see i'm golfing i just got my hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. to me it's almost more distracting you know what i'm saying like yeah you got your air earbuds or whatever yeah i mean you can do anything pop those in and you're going for a walk you can play catch with your kids in the back they stay in all day long man this is all i do is walk around yeah. these things on all day long you go about your day like you grocery shop whatever that whatever it is that you got going on and then you maybe grab a phone call yeah jeff thoughts i think with the zoom stuff or like teams or whatever like those are always generally scheduled meetings so mm-hmm. like if i'm going to just take a random call it's probably not going to be a zoom uh it's going to be a regular phone call mm-hmm. um but in my you know my job most of the calls that i'm taking they're clients and so they're usually on a set schedule i you know we someone would shoot me an email and then they'd set something up and so i but again like we're i mean and this may be just you know the difference between in Georgia where, you know, as David said, there really hasn't been a pandemic type culture since summer. And there's a lot of states like that. Whereas in DC and Maryland, like it's still like very much, you know, everybody's got a mask on outside. It's, it's part of, it's, it's just as much ingrained in the culture as like, you know, talking to my sister in South Dakota where, you know, she lives 15 miles from Sturgis and, um, um it's completely the opposite and yeah you know that, that that's there's a trade-off there you, they're going to have higher infection rates but you know they don't have to you know deal with some of the stuff and and i think there's it's a little bit maybe too much kind of fear of it here i think you could make the argument i but at the same time like you know we're trying to protect our 
our, my in-laws and things like that. And, but I think, like, I, I think in the future, I, it's not that I think that like there won't be like regular phone call meetings and things like that. I just think that if you're going to have the setup, I think there's going to be a lot more, at least in my business, a lot more meetings that don't happen in person, and those meetings are likely to happen on video call. Um, but I like. I think it was David that mentioned, you know, it pisses him off when somebody's not focused. And, and that has actually been an issue with us. And it's an issue in internal calls. And for internal stuff, it's Slack. Like, that's the problem. Um, mm -hmm. You've got people that are dual screening and they're, and they're on the call in the meeting. But they're basically, I mean, it would be a, the same thing as if you were sitting in a meeting with 12 people, which you were texting with your buddies. That's basically what it is, except the worst. You're actually texting with other people in the meeting, and in some cases, like possibly snarking I've done that. other people. I've in done that. Meeting. Like, I've that's done what's that. Happening. Can you believe and what you this son of bitch is saying right now? Yeah. <laughs> and, you can, and it's not like I'm immune to that. Like I'm, I'm as guilty as, as a lot of people. But like you know, so to the extent that you know, there's been a lot of technological. They're not, again, they're not new technologies, but I think we're using them and getting more out of them. But there is a there is a flip side to that. Um, and I, I don't know if we've quite found the right balance in terms of right now, it's like super heavy on technology. Um, and I think at times it's almost to a fault and like Slack would be an example of that, at least for us. Schwab, what's this, like, how is Minnesota, how's the North, we the North, how have they, how, how is the, what is it like there? Cause Oregon's still full. We're not back in school. We still have, I mean, we're really, we're full COVID experience right now. Yeah, we're, um. I mean, it's, this is a rule follower, you know, it's, it's Norwegian, Scandinavian, follow the rules. Mm. Everyone's wearing masks when they go out. Uh, but it's total, I mean, like it is across the country, it's urban versus rural, mm. right? So urban, everyone's at home, locked doors, rural, yeah. COVID doesn't exist. It's just radical, just mm -hmm. completely radical differences. Has that uh, affected so you with different clients based on where they're at? Like how you deal with them or their expectations? Not really. We, we, we're pretty much in a no travel clause situation. Mm. Um, we're not seeing them. So I, we don't really know what they're doing on their own personal time and all that. But yeah, uh, I, I was going to jump back to what Jen, Jeff, you talked a little bit about technology. And I thought, I thought the other day it was kind of interesting that I would argue that for years now, people have complained that technology has gotten in the way of connection between people, between nature, Mm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can picture the old grumpy guy being like, ah, shut your goddamn phone off. And get right. Outside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I would actually argue this year, maybe for the first time ever, technology has actually enabled people to connect, to spend more time. I agree with hours. that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of this, this uh, turning point, so to speak, that technology is now finally an enabler. Mm. of All the things that it used to block, I think, in the past. Well, that's a great point. David, what do you think on that? Yeah, I would agree 100%. I don't know if it necessarily is just this year. I think when just being an Apple guy, when, when FaceTime came into play, that that it became an enabler at that point to me, right, in bringing individuals that live across the country the ability to see and, and, and communicate and almost feel as if they're right there with you, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and... Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny and, and, you know, obviously you being a marketing guy, Mike, and I've just coming from an Apple background and working with Apple for years and just, you know, nobody does it better in marketing than Apple. Right. And, and oh, that, yeah. you know, and how they go about with the consumer and never show the product. Right. But they're nonstop highlighting their yeah, technology right. without ever showing the product. Right. Oh, right. It's sense of, like they just the feeling. Yeah. FaceTime came out. It was not about the technology in the video. What they showed grandpa and grandma saying goodnight to the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. They were unaware yeah, they that Cass and Rhonda were exactly. never going to yeah, be able to navigate that. Yeah. They, they did not know that the senior I owns in Billings were going to be unable to join the technology. <laughs> hey, well, listen, I mean, that's actually, that's, I was going to bring that up. Like, I mean, we're, we're all like roughly the same age and, and probably have a similar, you know, affinity with technology, but like that has been an issue at our office. I mean, I think I'm the second oldest person in our company uh, or maybe the third, um, but our CEO is 60 something. Um, and it's definitely harder to reach him mm. now 
um, because he was he was the kind of person that was always kind of had an open door and you could just pop in and talk to him about this or that and he was more than happy like in, in some cases like probably spend too much time um, you know talking about whatever like it's econ stuff but like you know talking to people that um, you know when he probably could have been doing something else to run the firm and you know it, it's fine um, but now it's it's hard because he's not he's not great with slack um it's always like there's a microphone issue or like there's like it's just it's awkward when someone is not familiar or comfortable with the technology or is not quick with mm. it and so like everything just takes longer um and if you're on a meeting and there's nine people and everyone's sort of waiting that extra five seconds because of the tech it's just it can kind of set the tone for a meeting mm. and i wonder whether mike like your firm which is bigger than mine and i assume you have more of a of distribution of age like whether that's been an issue with any of the teams um that involve like you know 50 60 somethings with 20 somethings yeah i mean that felt bad right away i mean you could tell there was a learning curve and some of the older people they were crippled right away mm. just by i mean you just had more things to keep up with right email yeah. tech teams you know zoom and trying to figure out the nuances of each of them and i mean for the most part though we're, we're pretty young i mean i get called I mean, the worst is when you get called a boomer. Hey, boomer, <laughs> like, hit the, click on this, hit that, you know. What's our, Schwab, what's our <laughs> actual generation called? Schwab, you had it. We had your whole segment, your first appearance. What's our generation called? The lucky ones? What, what are we? Xennials. 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 Or, or the Oregon Trail group. generation. Because we grew up or, analog. Yeah, we're the Oregon Trail. We, we're a uh, analog childhood, digital adulthood, uh, which puts us in yep. a unique very unique perspective on things like we kind of get the xers like oh, i get what you guys are doing but at the same time i kind of understand what these millennials are up to too and you know i you know where i fall in there schwab i fall in the can you just figure it out and that's really just in regards to my parents can you uh, just figure this shit out it's two buttons just, just press it uh you i was got, gonna mention earlier uh have you guys heard of clubhouse so this is a new yeah. social yeah what is it i've seen it trending what is it it's an audio thing. Audio social. So instead yeah, of it's like it's like Twitter but audio. Oh shit. Uh -oh. And they've made it an invite thing, so you it's kind of got a cliche like a cachet to it at the moment anyway, where it's right. Joe Buttons all over it, here. Uh oh. I gotta get on there then. And then uh, you're gonna see, I think from there you're gonna see probably more video social. Right. You know, the next evolution. You already I mean with Periscope, you've already kind of yeah. seen some of it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, let me, I originally was going to take a break and come back, but we kind of hit on some of these. Give me either per your specific industry or stuff and maybe dive deeper into things you already mentioned, like David with the spark, what innovations or things we were forced to come up with to survive are here to stay. I mean, I, and I think coaching and athletics for me, it's a different setup because so much of our day to day has to be in person for it to work, like it just has to be. There's been some things recruiting wise that have translated really well digitally, but the actual day-to-day, -day, like you can't do a virtual practice. This shit just don't work, right? But what is it, what are you guys seeing that you think are permanent innovations uh, that will remain? I don't have the names offhand, but there's a lot more collaborative software out there mm. where you can, each individual can grab shapes right on the board at the same time. Okay. I think just even in our business, writing presentations, decks, um, it used to be a little clunky to do that at the same time. Yeah. It's just with teams and I know the different platforms out there. Uh, it's all collaboration now. You're, you're all talking at the same time that you're writing the proposal versus the old school way of, well, Jeff, you take the introduction, Kip, you do the yeah. close. We'll regroup in three days. Right. Yeah. Just, let's just bang this thing out right now in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a couple that I wrote down. One is like, so, you know, the video call, I think we've already touched on that. I think remote work, like, you know, our office is going to come back to being in person, but I, I think this pandemic forced a lot of firms like mine, frankly, that have been resistant to allowing more remote work. That's more than just the occasional thing. And it's just like, look, it, it's clear that you can do this mm. and maybe, maybe you prefer having people in person, but I think this has also changed what employees will demand of their firms. Mm. Um, I actually think one thing I'm, I'm very much watching just from a macroeconomic perspective, um, not to get too into the, you know, nerdy stuff here, but um, 
the loss of women in the workforce. Yep. Is Wasn't there December massive. 2020 was all women, right? Yeah, well, and a lot of that's not just because it's women, but because the pandemic is hitting industries that have more women working in them than mm. men. So a lot of the service industries, accommodation, food services, those industries, you know, like manufacturing, which tends to be more male heavy, they bounce back a lot quicker just because of the nature of the work. But the, the point I'm getting at is that there's a lot of women that because of the nature of the pandemic, they've been unemployed and not been able to come back to work just because of, you know, we're still in a pandemic. But there's also the factor of school where, you know, this is the way society is like most of the time in a two parent household, the, mo the, the mother, the woman is going to, you know, take on the, the, the homeschooling or whatever. It doesn't always happen that way, but predominantly that's just how it works out. And so there's a lot of women that aren't even unemployed. They're just out of the labor force. So they're not even counted in the unemployment rate. Mm. And we're talking about like, you know, five, 10, 15 million women, and it's hitting black and Hispanic women harder. And so we're going to be at the end of the pandemic. And it's like, well, are these women just going to come back to the office and, and, and not, I, I think when you've spent 12, 18 months at home with your kids, you know, it's a totally different life. My guess is that they're going to have a different set of expectations mm. coming back into the office or wherever work is uh, than they had going in. And I think companies need to understand that they may need to change the way they recruit and the incentives that they offer and the flexibility that they offer Great point. Um, or else they're not going to be able to fill those spots and it's going to have impacts on their diversity initiatives and their uh, gender equity and all of those things that, that companies are increasingly saying is important. Um, and I, I haven't seen a lot of that discussed, and I think that will become more of an issue here in the next six nine months. That's well, you got the don't you have the power of the millennials too, right? So you got all these boomers who are retiring, uh, but if you look at the sheer numbers, yes, like there's not enough Xers to fill those roles, especially at leadership level. So you're gonna have all this millennial generation shoot up the ladder, and they're the ones making decisions. That are, they're going to call the shots and they're not going to work at places that don't allow like what you're talking about, Jeff, the flexibility, working from home, the different benefits, things of that nature. I agree with that. Schwab, do you see a place like yours or even Jeff with your space? Like, I and mean, this is, I don't know if commercial real estate's the right overarching theme here, but like people are like, why am I spending all this money on physical locale when we can do this remotely? Does that make sense? Is that, is that yeah. a consideration? downsizing all, so to speak not in oh, people every, but in space every company we work with right now is trying to figure out how to reduce their size 70 percent. i think most of them are talking about creating collaboration spaces gotcha uh, versus you know where you come in you figure it out but it's occasional or it's part-time so you and i share this space but we're very rarely here together yeah, very, okay. very rarely would everybody be in the office and everybody needs a space to work. Oh, gotcha. If you, you, you just touched on one of the major emerging economic issues is commercial mortgage delinquencies and defaults. Ooh. There's a whole lot of landlords that own apartment buildings, not, well, some apartment buildings, but also commercial real estate buildings that, you know, that building works, the, what they paid for it, the economics work at a certain occupancy rate of like whatever 84 percent like that's just probably not going to be the reality moving forward so you got a lot of mortgages on commercial buildings not on mm. houses that are very delinquent and because of some of the like policy measures that the federal government has taken a lot of these defaults aren't happening yet there's there's forbearance there's mortgage you know delays and banks are being flexible but at some point um the bill's going to come and i think you know there's, there's some of these urban spaces they're going to get hit by a lot of these uh delinquencies and defaults and that could have a, a wider ramifications on the financial sector but yeah again it's it's not going to happen next month we're talking about later this year and the next year like these are the problems that we'll start to hear about once we get past you know people dying of, of COVID right in mass numbers it's, it's crazy. Also, a lot of the things you guys have touched on, I was on an Oregon, a, a town hall put on the or, by the Oregon second, the treasurer of the state. Only reason Kip was there is the treasurer, I went to college with him. So I get all of his stuff, but I went on just to hear, and it was, I guess, 90% of Oregon businesses qualify uh, as a small business under the SBA. So David, similar to stuff you're doing. And it was hot in there. People were not excited. You know, Oregon got, I think most people got, what, eight weeks of PPE? And then we're coming up on 12 months of needing that. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, 
It was heated. Some of that stuff, Jensen, I think you would have understood. Maybe you three in general would have understood better than me. But uh, I know the big thing was we have to have the schools open for any of us to have a chance. So that that was a big consideration on there. I agree with that. David, any, any innovations or any last comments before we take our first break? No, you know, I think I touched on some of it with just the one-way interviewing. Um, that's yeah. been big. Again, just efficiency in time and in the nature of my business it's very uh, it's quantity quantity over quality mm-hmm. it, at times especially in the logistics industry so you are you need to get people in you need to get quick so it's it's actually been uh, again a little better right mm-hmm. not to necessarily have to set interviews and bring each person in and you're taking that time and it just slows your process where you know, not that one-way interviews are, are brand new. They just weren't being used previously, right? Right. right. Just kind of forced us into that. Um, but it's been good. Awesome. We'll be right back. You're listening to another episode of Cross the Streams podcast. Stay up to date with our latest content via SoundCloud and the Apple Podcast app, as well as following us on Twitter at Cross the underscore stream or Instagram at CTS Podcast. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Uh, if you are not from Billings, Montana, and or part of our circle, you might want to turn off now because the lightning round takes us down some memory lanes that we will all enjoy and people that know us will think is funny. If you're a random observer, I hope you got a lot out of the first session. Uh, I think there were some good points about business. I will ask this question first, guys. Has anybody been in a meeting that has been Zoom-bombed yet? Because Kip Dog has, and I'll tell my story in a minute. Anybody been Zoom bombed so, yet? So my 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 daughter, she's in sixth grade. So her principal held a a Zoom call for parents, right? All know. the sixth grade parents, or whatever, right? So, uh, like half the parents had video on, and like usually my wife kind of does this, but she was doing something, so she asked me to do a <laughs> jump on, right? Principal's talking. All of a sudden, you start hearing these kids talking, and they're like calling by name of like parents out there. They're like, "Hey, Wanda, show your titties!" Oh God! <laughs> and then, uh, and they, and the the uh, moderator, the principal, and her admin, they didn't know how to mute everybody, so like, it obviously got hacked. But it was like real life kids, and they just were calling out everybody about. Showing oh. their tits and this and that, dude. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, a mess. Was it, it kids from the class? Like, was it? I don't. Was it, it just had random? to be. I don't know. I don't know. And they were like, and the, the the principal kept trying to talk. She's like, "Oh, guys, I'm really sorry." They're like, "Bitch, you ain't sorry." Like, Man, it was the funniest. <laughs> Jeff or Schwab, any Zoom bombs? I can't follow that. I can't. No, I'm not going to go. Oh, I, I'm going to go. I sent this to David. So I'm giving a, uh, a, I'm working with a, I'm doing a virtual coaching clinic uh, for a group and I'm not hosting. They're bringing me in to talk, but I'm not the host. It's not my Zoom account. And they had advertised it on Twitter, which is a no-no if you put the link on there, right? So I come in. And I'm talking, right, in the middle of me talking about healthy masculinity and driving a better manhood, we get full triple X porn scene, live action. And David, exactly like yours, little kids laughing their ass off. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking like this. And they're like, oh, you look so stupid as fuck. Look at you. You're so confused. Look at you. You know what that is. That's sex, buddy. And I just... I just did this one, and the host is doing the same thing. Uh, everyone, we'll just send you a new link. Don't send it on Twitter, because I'll follow you, sons of bitches. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I just had to roll with it. Just had to roll, like, huh? Oh, stuff God. is great. So, that's hey, that's a lesson. If you listen to CTS, don't put your link to the Zoom in any public space, because the little kids are after you. They're out there. But it's been... If, if you did, this is a perfect time to, to bomb us right now. Right. <laughs> All right, lightning round. Here we go. Hey, Everyone hey, gets... I got one more question. Go ahead, go. I, got a theory. I want to hear from a coach and an economic standpoint here. So here's my theory. Okay. If I, and David, you live in the Twin Cities, so you'll understand this, right? So if I, let's say 
uh, there's a couple of family, you know, they're in their forties, whatever. They got a couple kids, a couple kids love playing basketball. Okay. Wife works downtown target. Husband does not want to be in the cities, but whatever. They have to live in like Minnetonka, Eden Prairie, right? Okay. They'll be kind of close. So let's say like these kids basically to make the Minnetonka basketball team or make the Edina hockey team, they're pretty much going D1. A small percentage of them probably go to the goddamn NHL. Okay. So like a lot of these kids, like there's no shot. You have no shot at making this team right. or whatever, right? Right. Now that you got all these people that are working remotely or can work remotely, like how is that going to change the whole entire landscape of the country? Because that same couple now could go live in Glendive, Montana. Okay. Their kids can be the superstars on all three sports programs. Whatever sport they want to play, they could dominate. And like I just think why would in you, you mean know, like I, in terms of exposure so they can be seen? Yeah, like you're just gonna get are you you think like the kids will stay at the schools that are the best schools or will there just be complete mass gotcha. you can go anywhere in this country, you can be a superstar, you can play any sport you want. Yeah. And then economically too, like I mean, why live in uh, a city a suburb of Minneapolis and pay three times more money when you could go live in a Livingston ski every weekend, you know, you, yeah. the cost of living is a third of the price. I and think, like, let me answer it job at Target. purely from basketball. Cause I don't know a, a, as much with certainty of the, the circuit that leads you to your exposure in college slash the next level. Basketball is already at the point where no matter where you live, your ability to get on the travel team that will be seen and even during the pandemic, be seen means filmed because we paid four figures to be at this COVID violating tournament that six other teams violated COVID restrictions to be at, but we still paid. So there's still that kind of baseline investment you're going to have to make, even if you're the best player on the high school team, because none of the colleges, none of us are going to high school games. Like AAU. It's all be summer. You have to play travel ball. Um, the pandemic has tested because none of us are allowed in-person recruiting at any of these events, even in, even in states where it was sanctioned, where in most of the states they weren't sanctioned, but they happened anyway. So all of us are film-driven recruiting anyway currently. But let me tell you, the, the resistance to that full evolution from coaches is very strong. We tried to embrace that in our staff just from our budget. We couldn't be at all the events other schools could, so we tried to really embrace film evaluation and being better at it than everybody. But... Coaches, one, still trust their gut because the, the vast majority of coaches are in a certain age group that still don't trust film. They want to see the kid in person. Second, they want so to... So all these games that are being filmed right now in high school, it's it's not... Oh, they're all being web... They're all being streamed, but yeah. the belief... And they're being streamed for cost from the families that are playing in the game. But the it's a, it's a, I think it's a sham because the number of coaches watching it and actually using it to evaluate is very little because you can't guarantee the competition level right now. Because maybe Mike Schwab's team is pretty good and they're violating COVID to play, but the four teams in the tournament with them are garbage, but they were the only other teams they could get to play in that tournament. So that film does nothing for me that you had 62 and 20 in the first half. It doesn't do anything for me. But I think a bigger barrier is coaches want to be on the road. They love to tell you that the grind is hard, but they like the freedom of being away from the house, being away from campus, and you're at a basketball tournament for four days where you have to see three kids play and the rest of the time is yours, coaches are going to fight that forever. Mm, interesting. Uh, good question, uh, Schwab. Jeff, how do you think that will play out, like, economically? It, it already is. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's already happening. Like, you, you see it. You can see it in Montana, in fact. You, like, the housing prices in, in Bozeman, Montana. I mean, some of your listeners probably live in Bozeman, Montana. It's absolutely insane. They're like, mad at us right now, Jeff. We're Boise now, so they're mad. Right I heard that in spring the median house in Bozeman was like four forty something, and by October it was seven forty nine. Oh, what? Yes. And the same thing is happening in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and that's not just in Montana. That's happening. Wow. It, so basically, you have it's exactly how you described it, Mike. You have uh, it, again going back to what we were talking about earlier. You have a whole lot of firms that have been resistant to remote work that have been required to do so and it's worked better than they thought it would. I think that's probably a pretty common uh, pretty common perspective. You also have a whole lot of tech firms, especially on the West Coast, where 
they can stay remote forever mm. um, because, and frankly, from their standpoint, one of the ways that they recruited uh, high quality workers is to put up some crazy complex um, that would attract. So they're spending an insane amount of money attracting workers by building up this stuff. I mean, it's an incredible savings for them, particularly if you, oh, so you were in Seattle, but now you're going to live in Montana. Awesome. Great. We're just going to adjust your salary for cost of living uh, and pay you less. Um, and you're happier and we're happier. And like, I, I think, mm. that, so you're already seeing that happen. You're seeing an exodus from um, the major tech hubs into places like, you know, Nashville and the Nashville suburbs and Austin and places like that. Um, but you're also seeing exoduses from exodi from, you know, DC to, you know, exurbs, not even suburbs, but like outer suburbs where um, the, it's, things are a lot cheaper. Uh, the quality of life is a little bit better with the internet. You know, it, it really makes no difference in terms of your ability to do your job. Um, and in some cases, you know, schools might be better as well. So I, I think it's already happening and I, I don't see that trend changing. And that's actually one of the reasons that the housing market is, is so robust right now is that there's a whole lot of people um, that are doing okay, that they didn't lose their job. They have more discretionary income right now and they're upgrading their house and they're not doing that in the city. They're going into the suburbs and exurbs doing. Man. Great question, Schwab. That's a, a curveball. Gosh, he, should be, he should be hosting. He should be. That's what from your podcast mark your podcast meeting today. Look at you. Just killing <laughs> it. it. Okay. Like he like he said he was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first question. We'll go David first. Everybody has to answer the same question. Yeah. What have you consumed? This is lightning round, random, out of way out of left field. What have you consumed more of in your life? Coffee, beer, soda. For soda. me, it's not, coffee, not, beer, then soda. Yeah, I'm not I a drink heavy, a lot of soda. I drink no coffee. Okay. Not a heavy drinker. Uh, it's soda, definitely. And I don't, I don't drink a lot of soda either, but it's definitely soda. Schwab. Coffee. Coffee? By, by 10 times. Oh, yeah. I, I'm way on the – you guys know me. I'm a Starbucks lunatic. So for a decade, it's been a Starbucks every day straight. So – that one. Did you guys? Did you guys say pop when you were growing up? Yes. That's how I learned it, and now I say soda because I went to college and everyone made fun of me for saying <laughs> pop, and so I just like shamed. I, same. I where you live, right? Yeah, you same. Live, it's totally it dependent on where you live. Soda yeah. on, in Oregon, it's, it's soda. South, isn't it? It's Coke or soda. Yeah, yeah. You. Yeah, we don't say Coke. pop. Nobody says pop. Yeah, that was but one of the things. Like, but pop was more. It was Midwest. Like, yeah. why did they make fun of you, Jensen? I don't know. I think it's because it wasn't it, it, the basketball team didn't make fun of me. It was like my friends from outside of Minnesota that made fun of me, and then yeah. You know, so I eventually changed. Plus, when I moved to East Coast, then then people were. I don't know what. I like the sound is like. Oh, I have a Coke, sure. and they're like, "What kind? Uh, orange." Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, all right, next one. Time machine. You can go back in time and bring back one sports fashion. What is it? Mine is absolutely 100% baggy shorts because I am disgusted by the current state of basketball shorts. I, I didn't even – wait, what – is it not – that's not the state of basketball? No, not, Jeffrey, not, they're back to Stockton. They want it to be Stockton's. Oh, yeah, they want it to be Stockton's. I have to get – I, when I first got the job in 09, I, I ordered extra inseam from Nike because that's what they wanted. Now like they don't inch. want the basics. They want seven or six. Oh, yeah. Six. They can't stand length. They hate it. They hate it. Well, that's, that's just incorrect. That's just wrong. I mean, <laughs> you said it's incorrect. <laughs> wrong. Like, I, I don't even, that's not even an opinion. Like, I know. This is stupid. <laughs> I thought you were going to say black socks that you, because I remember you used to play with black socks. Oh, I used to fight hard for black socks. Hard. Mm -hmm. God, I hated black socks. I was all white shoes. That doesn't surprise me. I bring back uh, the sandals with the tall white socks. <laughs> oh, God. Geez. That's not a sports style. That's not a sports style, Schwab. That's Minnesota that's winner. It. Yeah, that's the game. That's Donovan Mosser, Dehan, and probably you leaving the leaving the gym. Yeah. With that look, and we're walking twelve yards behind us, you because we're embarrassed for you. Comfortable. <laughs> There's no football styles, fellas. 
I, there's not as many of the elbow armbands anymore. There's not yeah. as many of those. Yeah, uh, the Iverson sleeve is always though. cool. You wouldn't bring that back, David. I think the cutoff, the cutoff, the cutoff under the jersey in basketball. Yeah, you gotta bring like the the college that. basketball uniforms and what they like. It's awful. <laughs> they look. It's garbage, straight trash. <laughs> and that's like, I can't. It's not even watchable just because how horrible they look. They they're wearing the. You guys remember back in the day, like when I was like in third and fourth grade you know the the spandex bike shorts yep. and then you wear the little shorts on, on top of them oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's what basketball college basketball is now yep yep it's bad awesome. my guys wear the that's three quarter i remember the wearing th- that and it was uncomfortable then <laughs> and i don't know when i was rock. like 10 and then i wore what my mom got me right like i i, I can't i can't believe that people are choosing this as 20 year old like athletes with those castle rock uniforms yes <laughs> yes oh, Yes, Schwab, those shorts are what's in. It's like uh, being, they would wear, if, if I would let them, they would wear and I would order for them like what cross-country runners wear. They would be all in. And they wear the three-quarter um, leggings crew underneath. Crew, well, and they wear the, 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 the crew link socks as well, like yes. the crew socks. Yes. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember when we were in, I can't remember it was seventh or eighth grade, but the... It was whenever they first did cuts for basketball okay. and like the list. Yes, Judas like, was one on of the top of it. Left their yeah. One, he left the ranking and everyone was ranked in order from one to whatever. Yes. And that got out some somehow. And I, I yeah, the oh, guy that was that. number one didn't end up even playing. No. Um, R.I.P. I can't remember where everyone was, but that's yep. some fucking Cobra Kai shit right there. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what you rank. <laughs> that was. That's none of this cool hey. shit. That Cobra Cry, that's some fantastic shit. David, I'm going to send you a video. Hey, have you guys done Cameo yet? No, what's that? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I know what it is. My team, I oversee a team at the agency, so we just did this. And I, uh, so John Kreese. Yeah. Cobra Kai. Yeah. I just sent him a note and you pay him 200 bucks and he just did a video for me. No. Personalized. (laughs) That shit's so good. Is AI on there? If AI is on there, I will pay. I don't know. You got to look. You're be amazed at who's on there. That's great. Athletes, celebrities, movie stars. They're anywhere from like 50 to like politicians. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Can I get Wesley Snipes' Blade? That'd be good. I bet you could. Oh, good. Wesley needs the money, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's got taxes to pay. Make Wesley pay his taxes. Yep. <laughs> All right. Another time machine. You get to go back in time and relive or play a single game from your career. What is the game? And are you pick playing it for a new ending or just to relive it? So, like, Jeff, you can go back and have 49,000 points against West High again. <laughs> Right, or you could go back. We could go back and win a game we lost. What are you guys picking? Could be any time, college. Does it have to be, it's a high school game. No, it could be any any game. I'll give you a minute. Mine is probably my final game as a player. The other team hit a half court shot to beat us at the buzzer and knock us out of the playoffs, oh. and that was my retirement. David, I know you had a Northern Iowa ending similar that was just fucking awful Jesus. way to go out. So yeah, I would probably pick my that. Last, my- my last Northern Iowa game playing against Western Illinois. And uh, <clears throat> we were, uh, the game was tied. Their field goal kicker comes in. It's his, He's a freshman. It's his first kick of the year. Their kicker got hurt. He'd never kicked a field goal before. It was like a 58-yard field goal in our dome. <laughs> and this was to see who goes to the playoffs, right? And so he sent us home. That kicker goes on. It was Mike Scribes that has like a 20-year NFL career of being a punter, right? Like, yeah. And that, and that kick started it. That was his first wow. kick in college because he hadn't played the whole entire year because they, they had this other awesome kicker ahead of him. But, yeah, that, uh, that would uh, definitely be the game. Jeff Schwab. Jeff, you probably know. Uh, mine would be football. St. John's, my ex school. It, it was the year. It was we had a chance to go to the playoffs, and all we had to they do. They were good at football too. They were good. That was one of their. Yeah, they, they never runs. lost. No, and we got two touchdowns called back in a game and lost seven to six. Oh I shit! I mean, I think we won the game like three times. Yeah. 
Nobody wins in Collegeville. It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. They had an old coach that was. Yeah, Gall- the, the, the trophy's point. named after him. He was he was one of the winningest. Uh, I got, I've talked to some referees say, since but... then. I got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, is it where yeah. you got hurt when Schwab and David were at your game? It, it wouldn't. Yeah, that was hilarious <laughs> for you guys. It was not funny for me. We were so that amped story. up for that game. Oh, I know. You guys were really. You, you had. You were. You were supporting me, and I remember laying. On, first of all, they didn't have a backboard, so like they, they had to drag me off by my arms, which is like gotta be. Uh, how many lawsuits? Like, oh my god! And then I was. I remember I was I had to, <laughs> he was like dead. I mean, like it did not look good. I was down for like at least 15 minutes and then I, I I had to lay on the bus like on the way back from from Moorhead which was like a four <laughs> and I had to lay on, and the, it was the women's and the men's team went on the same trip because it was so long so like super crammed you were walking on me it was the worst what happened Everybody was yelling at David and I they're like your boy's dead <laughs> like, like, go down there guy. and I was like I don't know. I don't know anything about medicine. Like, I don't know. What am I going to do? So I'm really glad we rehashed that game. That is not my Sorry. choice. Um, I don't know. I think uh, the game I remember the most and the, the regret game, I think, in high school was when we went up to Great Falls High. Oh, the double overtime? The yeah. Because if we'd won that game, we wouldn't have had to play them. Right. Uh, or sorry, we wouldn't have had to play. Um, Helena. What was it? Hellgate? I can't Helena. Remember. We wouldn't have had to play them until Saturday. Yeah. And that was a double OT game and I missed the game winner. Uh, it was like an in and out, like fadeaway or something. I can't remember what happened. I think it was a broken play, but that we should have won that game and yep. it kind of fucked up for the, for the playoffs and stuff. So that's, that's a great, I was going to say the hell in a high semifinal for all four, for me, for all four of us together. I'd like to replay that. Well, you were hurt that game, right? No, I played that one. I got hurt the next or morning it was in the morning. That's right. But they gave, yeah. gave David like four fouls in the first half and we played zone for some fucking reason in the first half. That we lost yeah. that. That was over double overtime. The great falls no, high game. Was, was the great falls high, great yeah. falls high game. The, the hell in a game. I can't remember how close it was. I don't feel like we were like, we lost by I seven. Like it was, was a free throw shootout. Yeah. yeah. Well, Oakers took 35 yeah. free throws. Yeah. So I remember that he, yeah, that's when that's, Justin Brown dunked on you. Schwab. He just fucking hammered it on Schwab. We're gonna have another podcast and we're gonna break out. We should, we should like, yes, like they used. What was that mystery science theater? Bigger staff. I was like, if I was a fucking coach, I'd be throwing it to that dude number fifty. (laughs) (laughs) I think Schwab, you shot. Swear to God, I swear to God, I'm not even bullshitting you. I'm not even bullshitting you. Like I looked at it with a non-judgmental. I was like. Your advanced stats that year were like yeah. Up. Your so purrs was through the roof. Basketball and shooting was like eighty nine percent, and you fuckers would never throw me the ball. Yeah, well, because you get layups. Schwab, you were wide open. They well. were double teaming everyone else. So give me the fucking ball. <laughs> okay, last one. Now I'll let you guys go. Give me the best athlete you ever went up against. Name, school, level. I want to know David's here because he played at the highest level. There's a lot, man. It's tough. Uh, almost every day in practice. So I went against three NFL receivers every day on my team. Um, wow. So Mike Mike Furry, he's he's probably one of the better athletes that I've uh, I've seen. Like I remember that name. Probably five, five ten, five eleven could jump out of the gym i'm talking 40 inch vertical run a four three something um broke all the school records he was a ohio state receiver transferred down to northern iowa and uh you know it led the nfc in in catches one year Mm -hmm. right for detroit but then switched over and uh, became a uh, safety for St. Louis. That's yeah. That says uh, athlete right team. there. That's it. That yeah. Says athlete. Yeah. Right. He's the uh, he's the receivers coach for the Bears now. Oh but, shit. Um, but then right behind him was <clears throat> Eddie Eddie Berlin was just as good as a <clears throat> an athlete, a little bit bigger, but again had a long NFL career. Uh, these are two white boy receivers. <laughs> That were yeah, bad as then, yeah. But 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 then another one like I, I gotta I gotta put this guy out there too because he just he absolutely just 
destroyed me and the rest of my DB squad. Like he broke the record at the time for NCAA yardage and catches in a game. Kasim Osgood. Oh yeah, what Cal Poly? Cal Poly. Like he sorry, he was at San Diego State, transferred down Cal Poly. He had like three hundred something yards <laughs> receiving in one game against us. I mean, we still won, but yeah. <laughs> He was like Randy Moss, like for real, and he played in the league forever. I mean, there's, 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 there's so many, man. Like, I could go on. Like the uh, Kevin Glenn, the quarterback for Illinois State, had a long career in the CFL. He was no bigger than me, and was just like fucking Kyler Murray out there, just dealing. Yeah, I mean, just hard to stop, like. Those are some of like probably like the the, the better athletes that I. Uh, so David David but, wins the category, but I'm sure Schwab and Jensen. Mine doesn't. I never. It wasn't a real game, but a whole summer. Um, Josh Davis, who played at Wyoming, and then he played for the Sixers and he played for the Nets. Worked camp here at Willamette the whole summer. I was working camp, so we just we do runs at night, um, and so having an NBA guy out on the floor with us D three guys. Yeah was something and kip for some reason thought you know what i'll keep doing i'll just keep going to the rim and see what happens just see what happens and it never happened it never never worked out for me but i kept going guys kept going in there no scoring and i didn't dump it down to any schwabs either in that trip either schwab no you didn't learn a thing (laughs) jensen devin george did you play against him yeah, that was my pick. Oh, I, yeah. I Go ahead, Jeff. Devin for, for three years. Um, NBA three World years Champion. Ago. That's a pretty good one, Jensen. Three. I think he's a three-time NBA World Champion. He's also the best athlete that I've ever been dunked on. Um, <laughs> he was he was something. I mean, for people that don't know Devin George, Devin George went to Augsburg College in, in Minneapolis, and he was, as a junior, like six foot two um in high school and then he grew six inches but he had the same skill set and you know at six eight he was one of the best high school players in the state um but he hadn't applied to college and stuff and he wasn't recruited because when he would be recruited he was not big enough so he went to augsburg which is you know just a, a kind of a random school in minneapolis and he immediately was probably the best player in the state and possibly including the people on the Timberwolves. Um, <laughs> and I remember coming to McAllister and he was a sophomore at Augsburg. And then at, when I was at Carleton, he played junior and senior year. And I remember my junior year, we had a really good team and they, Augsburg was great. And we, uh, we ran a zone against them because we didn't have anybody that could you know handle him. And we had a really good big guy that would average like 26 a game. Um, and I remember they just, they would, play our zone and he'd be in the short corner and they'd kind of work the ball around and eventually they'd just throw a lob and he, he just jumped over our zone like there was nothing we could do i could i could foul him and undercut him or get dunked on or stop zoning and so you know that's what we had to do he, he had 52 on us at home oh i mean he was scoring 50 he was insane it was crazy. It was a man amongst boys out there. Playing. And, like, he yeah, earned those three well. rings with the Lakers. Like, he played. I mean, he wasn't he Shaq or Kobe, played. but he fucking played. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He played. He was drafted first round. I do remember I did hit a three on him. We played them in the tournament, like, playoff, and we were getting beat by, like, 30. Yeah. And I was out of the rotation, so I was, like, you know, ninth man or whatever. And at that point, like it was, we were just looking for a spark. So they called timeout and put me in to run some bullshit screen <laughs> or whatever. And like Devin clearly wasn't really playing very close to defense. Like, that was one thing I could He was so in I the vicinity. So I hit a three on him. And then I think they took me out like 30 seconds later so that I fortunately didn't get dumped on again. But um, <laughs> that was, I think, my sophomore year. Those are good. Um, you got a guy that led the league in catches. Great. You got a, all, an NBA champion. Schwab, what do you got? I played against some greats, but probably you three are the best. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, nothing like you guys have, but Vistendahl, I think that was his name for Augsburg. He was, uh, I don't know, this was back in the day, but he broke Jerry Rice's record. Oh, shit. Uh, for most yards. I remember that name. Remember that name? Yeah. Um, I, did he play basketball too? Yeah, I think he played both. I uh, think he did. Yeah. My highlight but... though was he broke the record on a. Uh, well, we can argue who was supposed to be covering. 
Did we just but it was on ESPN. Like, I was like, oh, shit, look at me right here. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I got to say, if you're supposed to be guarding that guy in the flat, that's probably not a, not the best scheme. No, you got a will backer out there. I can't make up that kind of <laughs> But I was right in the camera angle. It was phenomenal. Oh, man. Well, that was great. I that, That's a that's a pretty good cross-section of people that have trampled over the four of us, which is awesome. Those are fantastic. I, I was going to bring up the kid from your school that had 42 on us in a championship game. And I was asking the big, like, hey, do you guys know the one called Schwab? Yeah, Mike Schwab. And I was asking this at the free the throw one line. called Schwab. <laughs> As the guy was putting 42 oh. on us in triple overtime. Snowden. Yeah, Snowden. yeah. He made a lot yeah. of shots. Yeah, I can't remember that. I thought, for a while. And then he yeah, he, there was a transfer to Concordia that was a three-point shooter. Yeah, he, he I went. You guys had Kermit Cooper, too, or somebody like that. Oh, that, that dude could jump player. out. I, that, I, to this day, I've never seen anybody jump. I mean, the guy had to have, like, a 50-inch vertical. Yeah, was he wasn't crazy. a great player, but he was a phenomenal well, Yeah, why keeper. do I know that name, Kermit I, Cooper? You, you met him. I think you came up. And probably partied with him, or we, you know, we went. Yeah, I know that name from somewhere. That dude could jump out of the. I've never seen anything like it. He was terrible. He couldn't shoot. I mean, probably thirty percent free throw. He, he was still a decent D three player because that's really. I mean, if you have that kind of athletic ability, it's just such a big advantage. Hey, we'll take somebody play. right now in the Bearcats that can jump out of the gym and not do anything else. We'll take him. We got a spot. What we got a jersey. What you started, or what's the deal? So we got to wait for these six. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.